Welcome to Real Nerds After a Week Absence. The one person everybody wanted to hear is back. I'm Ryan. To my left is... James. And to my farther left is... Brad. Brad has to talk loud because um, <laughs> the mic has to pick him up. We have new mics and we haven't quite worked out all the kinks. So <laughs> so hopefully uh, it sounds amazing because Brad's listening to it right now. He's actually listening as headphones on. And, and you guys you guys sound great. Good. <laughs> and that's good because I think people are only turn, tuning in to hear your voices anyway. Oh, so oh, I'm, just, I'm just here for you know technical and uh, once in a while a funny funny comment and you uh, might want to hit, I, the, hit the cat she's fucking with the wires i listened to last mia? week's episode mia? it was wonderful there's nothing to play with <clears throat> mia it's okay she's not why <coughs> don't throw the cat oh my god <coughs> that joke will never actually play because your wife will not listen to this. Uh, I'll, put, yeah. I'll put a splatter sound effect in later <laughs> nice. actually i found out my mom listens to um the podcast oh man huh. i gotta stop swearing so much. Yeah, no my mom my says that we're funny Oh, Sweet. Yeah. Finally, someone said it. Yeah. <laughs> After a year and, <laughs> of doing this, we finally Not got Not quite. It's June. June Almost. will be this full year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Almost. We're getting there. Hey, anyways, we saw Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace in, in 3D. 3D. Yahoo. I said it at the same time you said it. So yes. It was like it was an audio 3D. It was. That was amazing. We just <laughs> mind fucked. We just audio fucked your ears. <laughs> well, not really, because we record this in mono, so this doesn't do anything to anyone. We record in stereo, and it gets compressed to mono, so people don't have to wait longer to download it. Right. Wow, you you always looking out for our, our loyal listeners out there. That's right. Thanks, Bradley. I am a Jedi of audio. I, I you know, I <laughs> our, uh, we're climbing up on the old iTunes download thing. I've been checking oh, really? it out. Oh yeah. Did you get my How email many? about? Uh, if you actually look at all the podcasts ahead yeah. of us, they're not, they haven't been updated since like 2009. Yeah. There's so. that one that digs who's always comes up number one. He hasn't done a show like since 2007 or something. What the yeah. hell? So we're like, you know, it says we're like 22nd, but we're actually, we, do. We, we have newer episodes. So. Yeah. And we do a show every week. Every week. And it's free. And it's free. We yeah. are, that, we're just, you know, dishing it out. And you know what? Ryan's mom thinks we're funny. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Because if anybody's opinion about our show is valued, is our mother's. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not biased at all. Well, I won't let my mom listen to it because I swear too much. Ah, that's all right. <laughs> Your mom has to know eventually you swear. <laughs> she does. My mom just got used to it because my older brother cusses all the time. So <laughs> it's just something you do. I've heard your mom swear. Anyway, this is beside yeah. the point. Anyways, back to movies. Brad, you got a, a box office report for us? I do. I have the report right here. We'll burn through it. Uh Chronicle was number one this week with twenty one or twenty two million dollars, uh, followed by The Woman in Black with twenty million. Then third was Gray, fourth Big Miracle, um, nine and seven million apiece, and then fifth was Underworld Awakening with five million. Uh, not that surprising last week. Yeah, um, I, I figured it'd be a tie between Woman in Black and Chronicle. I didn't think Chronicle was strong enough to. Yeah, it, it's kind of shocking because those found footage movies usually do really well, and I thought that movie was actually marketed really well. Um, but I guess it's because did, it was reviewed better than The Devil Inside. It didn't do as well in the box office. <laughs> did you see the viral thing about the uh, balloons in New York of the were, balloon people? They were kites, yeah, or kites or something. Mm-hmm. They were like they were uh, they were little fiberglass people shaped planes or something. Yeah, they were remote controlled like kites or planes or whatever, and they were shaped like people so that if you looked up, they would be there were a few of them, and it looked like Superman or somebody like Superman was flying around over New York. It was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the box office for this week. Nice. And then DVD releases. Releases. Yeah. We yeah. doing that. What's coming out yeah, next what's week? Going on? Did we we introduced that last week, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So Ryan's not familiar. We started talking about 
DVD releases. So nice. Uh, this Tuesday, um, the Valentine's Day, February fourteenth. Mm-hmm. You yes. can look forward to picking up in your DVD store. Well, I don't know if you look forward to the Rum Diary, Boo. Um, DVD and Blu-ray. Hey, it's um, better than last weekend. Last the, week, the oh, human Lady and Tramp came out. That's a great movie. The that Human Centipede Two on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh. Uh, Paranormal Activity 3 was on the list. I thought that already came out on DVD and Blu-ray, but maybe it's I, like a bare bones the, edition. I saw it this week oh. when I was at Best Buy. Well, today when I was at Best Buy getting Lady and the Tramp. Oh, uh, on the show. Paranormal. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. But then there's also by Criterion, <laughs> 3 Outlaw Samurai on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, Beavis and Butthead Volume 4 on DVD <laughs> nice. and Blu-ray, um, Ryan, Friday the 13th Ultimate Collection on DVD only, unfortunately. Yeah. Is that just the first one, or is it like all, all of them together? Them. Which oh, I think wow. includes the remake. Yeah, oh. I, it does, but I'm waiting for them to release them all on Blu-ray. It's yeah. just really oh, a bummer that they don't. This isn't a Blu-ray version? Not yet. Yeah, oh, I don't know why. Yet. I mean, eventually you what know they're yet? going to, but... <laughs> what yet? I don't know why they're holding back. I know, and they've released... How many no, times have they released a... Friday the 13th on DVD? Uh, countless. That was a Jar Jar Binks quote. <laughs> what yet? And then uh, Hawaii Five O, the first season on Blu-ray, nice. dude. With the, so, the new Hawaii Five O, yeah. Well, you only want to see season two because Terry O'Quinn is in season two. So yeah, that oh, is yeah. the DVD roundup. We haven't found a name for it yet, but well, you can, I think you just called it DVD roundup. DVD roundup, and then you can add some my sound oh, effect sh- going. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's settled then. I will add that. Nice. So that's that. Cool. Uh-huh. So. Now it's back to old, reliable, real news. It's real news. See, when he when he says real news, he doesn't say it like Joe says it. I made that mistake last week. I said real news funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saved that. Joe. I, I save that for Joe. I, I want that to be yeah. like his thing. Well, you know, I'm not a professional podcast host like you are. Oh, I'm I'm by far not. I just. Brad, you got new news? I'm going to start with me. Yeah, I got... Uh, no, I actually, know. I don't have news. Sorry. <laughs> what a floppy I start, donkey I, dick. I start with you guys because sometimes you'll bring up things that I was going to bring up anyway, and that way it seems like we all brought things to the table. But if you're not going to bring anything to the table, Ryan? Oh, you know what I'm going to talk about because I was gone a week and oh, I'll bring gosh, up Spider-Man. Yes. So uh, they released the second trailer for Spider-Man. And it feels like the first real trailer. Oh, yeah, definitely yeah, the yeah. first real trailer. Because the first trailer was that whole first-person thing that was just like, we're making Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which actually doesn't look that bad in 3D when you see it in 3D. No. But um, anyways, yeah, the, I mean, it, it shed a little more in the story, but it also brings up some questions um, that they're, they're – I, I believe wholeheartedly they're not going to kill Uncle Ben in this, uh, in this version. Why didn't they just start with him dead? Why didn't they just <laughs> start with Uncle Ben is dead? We all know Uncle Ben dies. Yeah. So they could have just not had Uncle Ben. Yeah. Then Martin the, Sheen wouldn't have anything to do. Yeah. So what? Poor Martin Sheen. But Martin. there's there's a couple um, interesting things. One, it's for sure that you know that uh, Gwen Stacy knows Peter Parker Spider-Man. Right. Because, yep. there, I mean, there's two or three shots in the trailer that where he's, like, jumping up things. And, you know, he says well, that I have to go because I helped create this. Right, Why, exactly. Peter? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's actually a couple interesting things that I watch it so much because I was in West Virginia and nothing else to do. Um, because I was really fascinated with some aspects of the trailer. And um, one of them is because he said, I helped create the lizard. And if you look, uh, there's about a five-second scene where there's a huge math problem on a board. Yeah. And Dr. Connors and Peter are standing next to each other. And Peter fills in the missing part, which I think was in the briefcase. That was he finishes his father's work. Yeah, that, dude. That, and his dad purposely hit it 
So Dr. Connors couldn't complete his lizard transformation or the lizard. That's that's my And then opinion. Connors killed his father. Or uh, uh, or some maybe. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the trailer for me kind of I feel like it telegraphs the movie for me. Yeah, it, I mean it's Yeah, missing. but with Spider-Man, more Spider-Man. It's yeah, yeah. it's missing some beats and there's a, yeah, there's a couple cool things that I noticed in the trailer when uh, he shoots his webbing, it lights up red mm-hmm. and like a powder shoots out too. So it shows that it's, you know, a uh, chemical compound that he created. Yeah. Um, Which is cool. And there's a couple quick shots of the lizard. Um, one I actually think will look really cool in 3D when Spidey's swinging around the uh, TV antenna and kicks him. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think will look really cool. I, all in all, I actually think the movie looks really cool. Um, they're, oh, taking yeah. a, they're taking a lot of liberties um, yeah. in the spider And that's okay because, I mean, the thing with comics is they always retcon things all the time. Yeah. And as yeah. long as it's told well, I can live with it because it has a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man in it. But the one thing I did like um, in it that... I, I mean, I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, but he wasn't quippy enough. And one of the first scenes of Spider-Man, he's sitting in a back seat and he says, really, you think I'm the cops and I'm dressed in a red and... Skin tight, red skins. and blue suit, yeah. yeah. And Dennis Leary's pretty good as Captain George Stacy. You know? Sure. And it seems yeah. like he's in it a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. Like he's more than James Cromwell was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, The other they, thing they, I noticed is I, I was thinking, uh, you know how the suit kind of looks like... Uh, you know, a rolled out basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking today, like maybe that's part of the movie is he made the suit out of basketballs that he like stole from school <laughs> and painted and then threaded well, there, together. There is a, a publicity still of him playing something. basketball. Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. There's a long montage of him carving up basketballs <laughs> and sewing up, sewing basketball parts together. Well, let me ask yeah. you guys a question. I was um, listening to people talk about it and you know, Oz Corp. You, would you say it, pronounce it Oz Core or Oz Corp? It's Oscorp because it's yeah, because it's, it's a corporation. Short for corporation. Corporation, right? Yeah, not it is not Corps. a. It is not yeah. an army corps. Yeah. I was listening to these guys talk about it, uh, and they said Oscorp. I'm like, I don't think that's right. No, <laughs> I didn't think so. All right, anyways, so that's this my... coming from the guy who mispronounces actors' names all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but exactly. But you know how to read, so that's different. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wait, whose actors' names do I mispronounce? Oh, I, I'll do a montage. Ray show. Park. <laughs> uh, I'm just staring at this picture of Darth Maul. That's why he keeps coming up. Um, lost in his eyes. Yeah. Uh, news this week. The Rock wants to be president of the world. That'd be awesome. He does. Because he'd lay the smack down on any uh, terrorist group. Actually, all he said was that he was getting interviewed and uh, people were asking him about how it was that he knew that Osama Bin Laden was dead before anyone else knew. Um, and basically all he said was like, yo, The Rock has friends. Uh, and then in the conversation he said that you know, he would kind of like to go into, he was, he's thinking about maybe going into politics. And the nice thing is, is that since he's born in America, he can actually run for president. And then the people have blown that into like, The Rock wants to be president. He's the next Ronald Reagan, but with more muscles. Uh, I, I think he's kind of kidding. But. Is this an old story? Because I heard about no. this when Bin Laden was killed. Like, well, the that, reason, the but, Bin Laden, but, part, but, but they were interviewing him for Mysterious Island. Yeah, the thing about him saying he wanted to be president was not until this week. Oh. Yeah, he was Yeah, he was being interviewed for Mysterious Island. Can you smell right. the bill this <laughs> we're cooking? <laughs> yeah. Why, why should we see this movie instead of, uh, if we saw the first one? Because The Rock was in it. That's what yeah. he said. I totally expected you to want to see that instead of... Uh, well, no. <laughs> I haven't seen The Tooth Fairy. I'll, I'll see The Rock when he does cool things. Why don't you say that? Because I watched part of The Tooth Fairy today. Did you really? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh. I had my headphones on while I was working, so... <laughs> I, I, I watched The Tooth Fairy. I didn't hear it <laughs> and follow the plot. <laughs> Do you need to? <laughs> no. <laughs> it looked ridiculous. Um, 
This week, Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott has all pretty much signed on to make a, a Blade Runner sequel, prequel, something. He doesn't know what it is yet. There isn't a script. He doesn't even know if Harrison Ford is in it. Uh, but that's going to happen, which is exciting. And he also said that there's going to be, or he wants there to be a Prometheus 2, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it's neat to me that Prometheus 2 is not just alien, you know, like that, because it's a pretty, unlike the, with the two versions of the thing, it's not one leads it directly into the other. Uh, which is kind of what David Lindelof said that he wanted to do with that movie, um, but that's cool. I'm excited anytime Ridley Scott says he wants to do science fiction. Yeah, because he, you miss him doing it. He he did a lot of those um, serious movies for a while. Yeah, which I mean, I love some of those movies too. Like Magic yeah. Man is awesome. But yeah, I agree. A good year isn't. Nope. Um, <laughs> you saw that? I didn't. Yeah, because no, that's that a time when I still don't really like Russell Crowe very much. Yeah, so I'm like, ugh. Another Aussie actor has taken his place for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Worthington. It's just those Australian fuckers, man. Yeah. They're all over the place. They are. Man. The fuck? Um, yeah, that was like, I saw a good year because I was a really big fan of Ridley Scott at that time. Because mm-hmm. I was like, man, every movie that he was making at that point was just amazing to me. Um, and then he made a good year and I was like, I can't make excuses. I remember that as a huge flop. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I don't even know what he was trying to do, but. Anyway, um, this week we got a Born Legacy trailer this week, which there's not much to talk about except that for some reason there's a scene, there's a little scene in the trailer where they're like injecting him with stuff as if he's Captain America or something. And it's just, it's not like everything else about the trailer seems fine. It seems like, okay, more Born, but Matt Damon's too old. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think want Jeremy Renner is as old as Matt Damon or older. I think he's 40. How old's Matt Damon? 39, 38? Yeah, he's probably somewhere around there, but I think... I don't know. Someone new. Physically, yeah. I'm not sure if physically he can really do it. Plus, I think that with Bourne Ultimatum, the Bourne story kind of... Oh, it did. ...ends fairly well. Actually, technically it ends in the Bourne supremacy, but... uh, Because all of Bourne Ultimatum takes place in the last 10 minutes of Bourne Bourne supremacy. Man, those, those movies are cool. They are cool. Um... Uh, did you guys know that Han never shot first? I did. I read that interview with George Lucas. Uh, this is maybe the dumbest thing George Lucas has ever said. Really? I actually like thought he really... made a good point in that interview, though. Because he said that, you know, um, directors tinker with their movies all the time. Which I was thinking, I said, you know what? He is kind of right because Apocalypse Now has been cut like three or four times by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, I, um, I I think it's an overstatement to say that they tinker with them all the time. It is, I think but that, I think they do though. Yeah, if they have the opportunity. Directors to. do do it. I think he does it too much. Um, and I think that sometimes when directors do it, it's because uh, there are things that they lost or things that they think they they'd like to put back in there. But changing the the problem for me is that George Lucas fundamentally doesn't understand that scene. And what that scene actually is, and I, he wrote it at one point. Like I don't, I don't believe him as he says the things that he said. But, but, but the scene itself, the one you're talking about. I mean, I've obviously I've just rewatched the yeah. the trilogy, and of course the only one you can get on Blu-ray is the recut one. Um, but he shot because the original one isn't shot so far away from him, right? And so he obviously shot coverage for that. So he maybe he did. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, I, I know. I I think the way if you if you watch the two right next to each other, I think mm-hmm. that it's clear that he like 
fiddled around with it and tried to take shots from earlier and use them again and then added oh, in this weird CG stuff. And the point, the problem is that in the interview he calls it, he says, you know, there are some people out there who want Han Solo to be a cold-blooded murderer. And that is a uh, gross misunderstanding yeah, of what so is happening in that scene. That is like saying that uh, Indiana Jones is a bad person because he throws sand into Nazis' eyes so that he doesn't get the shit kicked out of him and then die. Like... Han Solo shoots Greedo first because otherwise Greedo, a paid like a, a assassin, assassin will kill him. It doesn't make sense that Greedo, who is paid by Jabba the Hutt to kill Han Solo, misses Han Solo from three feet away. That's what that's what George Lucas doesn't understand. Like he's not actually listening to people who are saying like, "No, what you did was fucked up and stupid. Why don't you fix it?" He just says like, "No, no, no, no. That's what I wanted it to be from the beginning." And then he's so he's not hearing the message that people are saying. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, you know what's weird is I haven't seen that scene in so many years. I don't remember how the original scene goes. I I just watched it this week because in the article on Slash Film they posted a YouTube video of both versions. No, and yeah, I could go back and watch it though. Oh way. yeah, no, it's it's very clear if you watch the original version. Like, oh yeah, this is a really fairly well cut like scene where Han Solo shoots this guy. I guess, and especially you- since that's when you meet him, you kind of don't want to trust him right away like yeah. you want you want han solo to be a character that has to earn your trust over time you know i guess you're right I, you know when i rewatched it on blu-ray you can that scene is kind of cut sloppily it like, is like the, the new one it seems weird because it's really close and it cuts away and then it goes close again exactly so you're like, oh, yeah because bizarre. what he's doing is he's taking a shot from earlier because when he made that scene he knew how to direct and so the way that that scene <laughs> happens is you there's an establishing shot where you see the two of them at the table and then as they converse the shots get a little tighter and a little tighter and a little tighter and we see like close-up shots of him pulling the gun and so the tension starts building as we get closer and closer and we can see less and less but then what he does in that version is he goes back to one of those earlier establishing shots throws in this little clip where there's like a you know greedo's bullet flies across the table and so it's it doesn't even make sense in the language of the film and the language of the shots that he set up 30 years ago when he made that movie um it's just it's stupid he's an idiot <laughs> and he got more of your money this week so he did he 15 dollars still, still wins stupid like <sighs> did, you guys box. Get, did, did you guys get the Brad. toy when you went there no we didn't they were out of the uh you mean the glasses no uh when i went today they gave us like little toys too what yeah. kind of toy uh it's like a little well i gave them all to my nephew but yeah. he uh he got a, a snow trooper a Luke Skywalker oh. and a Darth Vader that you, so they were real Star Wars toys. Yeah, they're like I mean they're little miniature ones that they put inside these clear uh, Death Stars. They're like really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. But yeah. I guess you can collect them. I don't know. I was I just hoping to get the Podrace glasses, but yeah. we didn't. Because <laughs> Brad wanted to wear Podrace three glasses to every three D movie from now on. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah when okay. I when I was there, they they said the only the uh, lady there said they only got like a hundred. Yeah, oh, so man. that's stupid. That's Probably like one show. The midnight showings. Left yeah, Thursday night. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway. That's all the news. Cool. So I guess we'll go into what we've been watching. I watched a shitload. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Because you've been uh, gone for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'll start. I'll start with um, movies I watched uh, and movies I saw in theaters. Um, the other, uh, actually, the day before I left, uh, Laura had to go do a test, and I was here by myself, and I was really bored. And I looked online, and A Dangerous Method was playing um, at the mills and so i went and saw it at 11 o'clock in the morning on a tuesday and You're i was old the, i was the only <laughs> one in the theater wow. it was amazing i've always wanted to experience that because you i seriously sat right in the middle 
Did you take your pants off? I should have, because Seriously. Kara Knightley, because Kara Knightley's naked in it. No, <laughs> so. I don't mean I don't mean to be crude. I just mean like relax. Um, but no, it, no, it was it was nice, and uh, because one, a movie like that, um, because it's so quiet, and it's it's really a character driven movie because it's uh, Carl Jung, uh, who's Michael Fassbender plays, and Viggo Mortensen, who he plays as Doctor Freud, and it's literally them talking about. Uh, this girl who Kira Knightley plays called Sabina um, and how he it's it's really bizarre and I, I, what I love about David Cronenberg is I'm, I've been a big fan of his later movies and usually I'm not a big fan of kind of the really slow dramas but I love A History of Violence Eastern Promises is really good and then this one is really good too because it's all dependent on how well the actors play Yeah, and uh, Michael Fassbender's awesome um, and he, I mean, the story is, is uh, he, uh, Carl Jung is a huge admirer of uh, Sigmund Freud. So he gets this crazy um, girl come in, Sabina, but she's from a wealthy family. And he doesn't know if he can cure her, but he does this thing where he sits behind her and just hears her voice, uh, talks to her. So she answers questions truthfully without um, her seeing him. And so she can't elicit a reaction from him, I guess. And it's uh, and then um, when Freud hears about this, they never met, but they're, he's a mire of them, and they start becoming friends. And it's about their how their friendship deteriorates, and how um, Doctor Young kind of comes falls in love with this girl because behind her um, craziness, she's actually a really um, she's really smart, and she actually becomes a doctor herself. So it's like kind of the birth of psychoanalysis, and it's it's really interesting. And it, it, I mean, I don't think it's for everybody, but I really like the the actors in it. And I think Cronenberg, even though it's a really kind of slow moving movie, he knows how to put the cameras in places. And because I was by myself, it was awesome. <laughs> and I didn't have to worry about like, because especially a movie like that where old people do go in there. Yeah. You know, they say, oh my God, he's whipping her. <laughs> why, why is he whipping her? Uh, who is that? Oh, uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Kara Knightley still has problems and Dr. Young kind of... Um, takes advantage of her because of it. But you should see it. Yeah, you should see it because it's um it's interesting. Um so cool. I don't know if you can see it in theaters anymore. Um but I think so. I don't think it's disappeared that quickly. Yeah, um, it's it's still out there. Yeah. So yeah, I should check it out. And then I also saw The Woman in Black, which is all right. Um, with Harry Potter. With Harry Potter, but now, doesn't doesn't he have kids in that movie? He has a little boy who's only four. So I mean um and it takes place in um Victorian London. So I mean if you married young then and he's twenty three, I mean I it makes that. sense to me that he had a kid when he was eighteen. Yeah. And, I mean the story is he's a young lawyer and he um he his wife died in childbirth, so he has to take care of his kid by himself, but he's also about to lose his job at this law firm. So he gets picked to go to this uh rural town that uh this lady just died at, and when he visits the house he sees a woman in black, like standing outside. And when uh, is she a ghost? Uh, she is, but he sees her. And, you know, of course, he comes down. He's like, "Hey, who's there?" And whatever. And then nothing really happens forever. He goes back to town, and then all these kids start dying. And <laughs> um, it, it's That's really funny. And it's actually, I mean, there's some really creepy moments in it because, I mean, the premise of it is that every time children see this woman in black, they kill themselves. Like the so, ring. Yeah, I mean, there's a really horrific scene where. Um, he comes back again because he has to. He's doing this job because he wants to, you know, ha- so his son has a place to live. And if he doesn't do it, he gets fired. So he comes back and this house is on fire, and he's able to get in. And there's this little girl, and she's just sitting there standing. And as he's, he's like, "I'm gonna come get you," and then she just looks at him like all 
deadpan and throws fire on herself and she burns up in fire. Oh, shit. And you're like, whoa. So the, and, it, and it's shot beautifully. Like, the film is beautiful. If wow. it wasn't some... Like, it's not the greatest. I always have problem with ghost stories sometimes because they do those uh, scares where it's boom. Yeah. And then it's nothing. There's a lot of noise and, it, like, it, there's a shadow in the back. Yeah. But actually, that's actually how they... They did a re- the director did a really cool thing where he would purposely frame actors in corners of the frame, so you'd see things and you didn't know if you were pl- it was playing tricks on you. And every once in a while, it'd move. And so there's I mean there's really cool moments in it. And huh. I, I I mean you can rent it. I don't think you have to rush out to a theater and see it. Yeah. But it and it moved really slow. And I kind of miss sometimes I miss horror movies like that where, um, you know, it's all about kinetic cuts and blood splattering and yeah. And you know Daniel Radcliffe's good in it. Cool. So yeah, I should see that. Um, geez, I saw like 15 episodes of the League. Um, oh, you finally started watching uh, it? Yeah, and I knew I should. That show's pretty that. funny. I mean, some of the episodes are missed, but um, I really like Taco in it. Yeah, <laughs> he comes. Uh, the, the, my favorite moment of any episode is uh, he gets what's that Japanese weapon and a Nagata? Yeah, the a Nagata, something like that. Naginta. Naginta. And it's basically a spear that has a sword on the end. Yeah. And he comes into he comes to a playground. On a motorcycle. On a motorcycle. And he's like, Kaya! <laughs> and all the guys are like, dude, what is that? It's a short sleeve flat shirt. I wear them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then one, they're, all the guys are talking in their bar. And then the camera cuts and tacos behind him. Like, oh, shit, where'd you come from? <laughs> the bathroom window? <laughs> it's, it's totally stupid. But there's some parts that are just really funny in that show. And I can't believe it's actually on normal TV, to tell you the truth, because it's pretty raunchy. Yeah. And I mean, they say things like cock and dick. But yeah, it's <laughs> and pretty. Shit. And yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. I think it's on late at night. Oh, it yeah, has to it's be. It's on after uh, It's Always Sunny. Yeah, it has to be. But it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Like and, it. uh, and it's different. And you, th- you didn't think they could have a whole show rate based around fantasy football, which it kind of is, but it also isn't. Uh, so are you. Are you, you You've watched 15 episodes, so you've seen most of season two? Yeah, I think I have like three episodes left in season two. <laughs> like uh, uh, Ruxin's brother-in-law, C- C- El Cunado. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. What's his... Yeah. Fuck, what's his real name? Yeah. I, I forget. <laughs> but like, yeah, when he t- like, gets into the into the league and yeah, then he shows he... up in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, like, it just shows up. What's this you got here? He's like pointing at the fantasy board. What's, what's this you got here? You know, there's girls behind you, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that he sits on the cocaine toilet seat, <laughs> toilet seat <laughs> and he takes a whole bunch and he goes and has sex with that one guy in the back of a car because yeah. the one guy's a sex addict. It's And he gets turned on by the weirdest things. Yeah. It's, hey, I guys, I found my new turn on. It's, uh, what is it, guys with facial hair? <laughs> yeah, guys with facial hair. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty risque show, but it's fun. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, just really quickly, I saw um, Chaplin. Because uh, I've been on oh, a wow. really big Robert Downey Jr. kick, and it, he's really good in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the movie's okay. It's kind of like some biographies where they're kind of hokey at some points. It's kind yeah. of boring in places. Yeah, but I, I think he's amazing in yeah. it. Um, yeah, and that's what I saw. Uh, I saw a couple other things, uh, but I forget. Well, you saw um, uh, 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 Kevin Smith. In oh, the, yeah, yeah, I did see Kevin oh, yeah, Smith. Oh, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, sorry, I, f- I forgot about that. But I saw Kevin Smith live from behind. Me and uh, Laura went the night before he left. And just a couple of things of note. Uh, you said that it'd be more, uh, Red State would be more interesting if the rapture did happen. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Smith went on a 20 minute tell of how that was the original ending to Red State. That his friend, uh, 
the gay guy who's a bear, what's his name? Malcolm. Malcolm interviewed um, the original – I fucking can't remember uh, his name. Fred Phelps. Fred Phelps, and he had an hour-long interview, and that's where he got the idea to make this movie is uh, Malcolm gave him the DVD of um, – you know, not edited, just watch it. And then he, he was writing a script. My, um, Malcolm was filming a documentary He's, about yeah, something else. About gay in um, America or something. Yeah. And uh, he interviewed Small town gay bar. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he decided he's going to write a movie of this. And Malcolm was like the guy who was cheer, his cheerleader. Every 10 or 15 pages, Kevin would send him the script. And Malcolm would say, oh, man, this is fucked up, man. What are you doing? And then he got to the end. And the end was um, that noise. And he uh, sent it to Malcolm and Malcolm sent him an email back and said, Hey man, what's your plan for this? And he said, I don't know yet. He says, you don't have the balls to write a rapture ending. <laughs> He's like, fuck you, man. I'll write it. <laughs> and the original ending was that noise happened and everybody's chest started exploding. What? And uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 so everybody's chest would start exploding and the character John Goodman played, went to the ground and covered his ears and it went really silent and uh a lot like dogma yeah exactly and he he looked up and then there was an angel who was stabbing one of the followers of uh of uh aben cooper aben cooper and with a sword and blood was splurring everywhere and he let the guy go and the angel just went shh and it ended um and that's the original what? ending to it and then he sent that to Malcolm and Malcolm sent it back. He's like, you're going to make this movie for 5 million bucks. That's like a $40 million ending. <laughs> <laughs> and so he rewrote the ending to it. And I thought it was really interesting and he told it really well. And it would have been a very interesting ending to the, yeah. to the movie. It's, it's a shame that that's not shot because yeah. Um, and, and he, mm. he touched on that. Some people loved his ending and other people didn't love it. Um, he said Quentin Tarantino loved how he ended the movie. And if you look at Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies from last year, red state's one of them. Um, and he also brought up that Jason Mewes is producing and editing um, Jay and Silent Bob's uh, groovy cartoon movie, which if you watch the end of uh, Dogma, the original, at the end it says, Jay and Silent Bob will return and Jay and Silent Bob sell out, spelled C-E-L-L, as right. cell shaded. And so I think that's the original uh, movie that now they're making. And it's supposed to come out, they're going to premiere it in Toronto at the film festival and then it'll be out on DVD later this year. Very cool. And uh, it's done by the guys who did the animation for uh, his Smodimations. Yeah. Um, so, and Which I guess really it's really good. funny. And I guess he shot an ending with uh, him and Jason playing the parts of Jane Silent Bob at the end, and like a live action one. So, oh, cool. They will return. So that's kind so of like, those those cool two things I saw. Got him back liked. into the coat. Yep. So it's that was the two interesting things from it, mm. and that's all the shit I saw. I saw more, but. Cool. Uh, I talked for too long. No, Somebody else good. can go. Yeah. Wait, it's my show. Fuck you. I can keep on talking. What else I saw? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Were there a lot of stories he's holding that thing that you had already heard? Um, no, cool. I didn't hear a lot of. And a lot of people, or he, he did t- talk, a, uh, say a funny thing. Um, one guy asked me. He said, "So you do all these these all the time? How many times you hear you know the same question?" And he said, "You know, honestly, I don't get answered asked the sa- answered asked the same question very often." Because it's like, if you've seen the London one, the guy asks, if you were half man, half sausage, which way would you have it? And, you know, bottom <laughs> sausage, top sausage. <laughs> and he says, I ask questions like that, you know, where Scorsese says, oh, if you, uh, with this shot of uh, whatever. And he says, no, I get stuff like that. Or <laughs> would you fuck me or things like that. And, <laughs> and so he, he, that's why he likes doing it. And yeah. 
That's it's interesting. And he, oh, he need hit somebody's back to one movie. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Good. I always thought that needed to happen. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. That's it. Cool. Brad, what have you been watching? I've got a lot of stuff too. <laughs> uh, well, go. All right. Um, oh, wait. I didn't talk about Quarantine 2 that I saw, guys. Wait, Terminal. they made a Quarantine 2? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Go ahead, Brad. What? <laughs> oh, man. Wait, does it have uh, what's her face in it? No. Oh, she probably dies in the first quarantine, doesn't she? She, she does. Well, she gets dragged away. If yeah, you've okay. seen the trailer, you've seen the end of quarantine, yeah. by the way. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen quarantine, but I've seen the end of quarantine. <laughs> you have. Um, no, go ahead. Quarantine too. <laughs> no, I'm not going to talk no, about it's, it. It's terrible. It, it's terrible. It's literally these people are on an airplane and this dude smuggles infected rats because he's part of the cult. You have to see the first quarantine. It's re- retarded. Sure. But he dra- he, dra- he takes infected rats on the quarant- uh, on the airplane, which it, in quarantine, the zombie the zombie quotes virus is transmitted like a rabies disease. Yeah. So he brings infected on this airplane and this dude gets bit and they have to land in a terminal end. <laughs> do they quarantine the terminal or the plane? They do. They quarantine the terminal. After quarantine the plane, the plane, plane would be more interesting because you would just watch everybody on the plane die. The movie would be 15 minutes long. Yeah. If you actually want to see not too bad of a movie with zombies on an airplane, see flight of the living dead, which is sounds terrible, but it's actually kind of a funny B movie. Cool. Right on. Um, okay. I'll start off with the part movies, the halves of movies I saw just today. Wait, you <laughs> saw halves of movies? Yeah. Uh, Tooth Fairy, like I just said, and then... Um, okay, that's justified. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the movies I saw in theaters uh, up till now. The Theater of Bazaar I saw last week. It's an anthology of horror films. Huh. Um, more like an anthology of student horror films. Ooh. <laughs> it was... Uh, I. I wanted to leave halfway through because it was so boring. Where did you see it? The Esquire. Oh, okay. Midnight's at the Esquire. Cool. It was either that, that or 3D porn, so. Oh, I would have done 3D <laughs> porn for sure. Well, I've seen porn at the Esquire. Yeah. What? Didn't you go with my wife to see Italian Stallion? <laughs> I did. Ah, that was in 3D? <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't in 3D. I didn't say I'd see it. I saw 3D porn. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, the Theater Bazaar. It's an th- anthology of horror films. One of them is uh, directed or directed by Tom Savini. Nice. Which is interesting. Um was his good? He's usually pretty good as a director. No, nah, they were all really mediocre, even his. Um, Bummer. And his was actually Quarantine 2. Could have been. Like, the gore was cool and everything, and like he was cool in it, but like after watching four others like leading up to his that are just kind of subpar, hmm. it's, it's like someone collected all the best student films and added them to like this big... Like the the photography is poor in a lot of them. Bummer. And the acting is poor. Like There's some cool ideas, and um, the encapsulating story of this girl who is just hanging out in her room and looks across the street and you know, sees the theater's door is open. So she sneaks in and then there's like this puppet show going on, like this marionette um, show of like full-size people, but they're painted up like dolls mm-hmm. and you know, they're like kind of doing the robot <laughs> <laughs> moves and they're telling these stories and she's just sitting in the audience listening the whole time and then each story will come up. Um, yeah, just uh, it, like... Also, each of the stories kind of centered around a couple breaking up. So the first one is about this frog witch, like <laughs> this witch who is actually a frog, evil queen thing with four tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's this couple, it's like shopping in some European town and the girl's like, oh, I like those earrings. And they're just, they look <laughs> like costume jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> and then like this old lady comes by and she's all creepy and stuff. And, uh, the boyfriend is really fascinated by, uh, I think pagan symbols and weird architecture. 
you know, they're like looking around the town, like there's this, you know, stone carved face in the wall. And he's like, oh, and that's this thing from whatever and the history behind it. And then it just cuts to their driving around the mountains and then they just stop in the middle of nowhere and there's this cross sticking out of the ground. And he tells a story behind that thing. And <laughs> then they show up at that old lady's house, which they manage to find, or he does. He just takes off on his own and she stays behind and gets a massage. <laughs> and he finds that old lady's house in the middle of nowhere. Like, he didn't accidentally find it. He went there on purpose. Like, when did he get her address? And, like, <laughs> and he Google. shows up there. And, Google Maps, baby. Yeah. And, um, so like, he does, she does this reading with him. And then I think she drugs him with tea or something. And then. <laughs> They and then she rapes him. Yeah, she she rapes him. <laughs> okay. Wait, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Coming no. from the writer, he, he thinks oh, she looks like man. a you know attractive, sexy woman, but like she's actually the frog woman. Do they show him fucking a frog? <laughs> Pretty much. And then the girlfriend's like, "Where's where's my boyfriend? He's late. He's not answering his phone." So she just goes out warts. and finds the house herself. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's her spotlight. <laughs> illuminating from the house like the bat signal is we can find it no it's just you know she navigates these mysterious roads and just and she walks actually i think she takes a taxi cab and then she walks the rest of the way and finds it yeah it's like i'm not going any further up there i've been to that lady's house and she is no good and then she you know sneaks she breaks into the house um and then the frog queen chases her out and (laughs) she she hides in the car and then the frog queen's already in the car somehow and kills her (laughs) Smothers her with slime, oh. and then the boyfriend wakes up next to. He's like, "Oh my god, what did I do?" And goes outside, and he's like, "Oh, what's the car doing here?" And uh, it doesn't. You just said the sentence, and then the frog lady was already in the car somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're saying a, a frog queen is not terrifying? That's what you're saying. No. <laughs> um, and that's just the first of like nine stories. There's nine <laughs> oh, of them. Gosh. I think nine or seven. How long, How long are, are they? they? I was like. <laughs> It seemed like an eternity. It seemed it actually was a two-hour movie, I think. So basically, fifteen minutes so each. Ten one, minutes I guess, of yeah. like I try not to think too much, but actually, like I like architecture. Why are you raping me? <laughs> ah, there's a frog lady in the car. That was the whole. That was the whole short. And then like the second one is uh this guy who's like super needy. Like this girl uh, is he's like abusive, but he's also like super needy. Like he's mean to her, but doesn't want to let her go. And then like she's trying to get rid of him. Um, and there's another one of people who just binge on sweet snacks and th- like that girl is trying to break up with that guy he's like oh why and like they're constantly stuffing their face and then eventually in the end like uh she belongs to this group of twinkies cannibals in the car yeah twinkies cake like they're just constantly no eating. i no, i mean they get attacked by a giant twinkie monster no no not that much okay they, uh, sweet. she belongs to like a group yeah. of cannibals dun, dun, dun. And how big is the twinkie that's a big twinkie and i said that'd be sweet Dude. Pun no, after I got pun. that. I was yeah. Um, another one is um, this girl hunts homeless women, um, kills them, inje- like stabs their eyes with a needle. What sucks out their essence and then injects it into her wait, eye. Wait, 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 wait! Sucks Stop out. it! <laughs> sucks out their like essence? Austin Powers and the like, Mojo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they keep their essence in their. Do you mean it sucks out the stuff from inside their eye, or sucks out like their soul? Yeah, their soul. Like, she injects in her eye, and then she can view their entire life, and then she writes down everything she learns, and it keeps a journal of all these women's lives. What? Yeah. Dude, I, I can't explain. Don't ask me to explain it. This is just what I saw. <laughs> I didn't ask you to. You were volunteering this information, uh, and I am only trying to understand. What's the other thing? When you said he, he, she sucks out their essence, I was like, what? Yeah, well, 
there's igu and no I, I, goes I understand into, now yeah yeah it's i guess yeah it, all right it was what really else boring you... i was like i can't believe i'm actually sitting through the whole thing i like i got this far i might as well see <laughs> it, actually what one woman there's redeeming. like five of us in the theater and one woman actually just got up and left <laughs> <laughs> so everyone else stayed oh, it was man. like it w- the other the other four people in the theater were the directors of the shorts <laughs> see the thing is i went that night because like last the week before one of the actresses was there and then the, one of the directors was supposed to be there this week, so I went, but it, was, it wasn't Friday. It was for Saturday, so oh. I saw the wrong one. Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer, but I, I wish I'd been there so they could explain kind of what they're going for, because it just <laughs> seems like I went and saw like one of my college uh, shows where all the yeah. students put together their reels, and yeah. Weird. Um, so that was one thing, and staying on the horror aspect, you were talking about like ghost stories. I also saw The Innkeepers. Oh, yeah. I wanted um, to see that one. I like Ty West. Yeah, I, I like The House of the Devil. Um, and uh, again, it's another movie where it takes, it's a very slow burn. It, um, It's very quiet, but um, it takes a while to get to like the payoff. Uh, but it's a, it's a good exercise in just um, creating tension and fear out of silence. And yeah. um, there's a lot of good character development. Like the, the it's actually all kind of funny, like funnier than house of the, not that house of the devil's <laughs> funny but like the characters there's a lot of humor in it despite the fact there's like this big ghost story going around mm-hmm. yeah. uh there's these two i forget the names of the characters but there's a girl and a guy and the guy's like um he builds a website based on the ghost story of this hotel they work at and it's closing down so they're kind of there's like three guests there and they're kind of ready for for to all be over this is like their last night there and the, the girl's just kind of you know, she's. I think she's just out of college. She doesn't know what she's doing. So she's kind of dealing with the fact, like, I work here. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And then um, the guy, he's nerdy, and he, he makes a ghost website based on it. And uh, they just, there's, I'd say 60% of the movie is them just sitting at the front counter. It's almost like clerks, where, oh. <laughs> except they're innkeepers. Yeah. And they're just chatting back and forth. And, you know, it's and, like a three-chapter thing. Like, the first chapter is like day one and like chapter two is like the new guest. So it's these little vignettes. Actually, it's a lot like clerks <laughs> broken up into sections. And they're just kind of talking and like screwing around in the hotel most of the time. And then the third act, it really gets into the meat of the ghost story. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so and it, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of like walking down halls and you hear sounds and stuff and yeah, just creating See, I mood. like ghost stories like that. I mean, there's a, uh, I don't know if you saw an old movie with George C. Scott called the changeling. And it was kind of the same thing where, you know, there's something going on. It wasn't, um, you know, loud noises always. You just there's like that uneasy tension in it, where you think something's happening, but something might not be happening. Um, that's cool because he. Uh, I read an interview with him about that uh, movie, and I guess he the place they're filming at is supposedly really haunted, mm. and that's where he got the idea for the movie. They was. actually stayed in that hotel while they were making House of the Devil. So oh, nice. Uh, maybe yeah. that's where he got the idea of the movie because yeah. uh, the House of the Devil is really cool too because it's a slow burner one too until yeah. that girl got shot in the face. Yeah, and then you're like, whoa, what's going <laughs> on here? Um, but yeah, that's cool. I really wanted to see that movie. Yeah, and then ending you like you really feel like oh, sad. Nice. So because you actually spend time with those characters, like you care about the characters, like, yeah. Like the girl is really charming, you know. When she gets scared, like all the dummy scares that happen, yeah. You know, they play them off as like really, oh, that was ridiculous. Why did I mm-hmm. get scared by that? You know, yeah. type thing. I might go yeah. see that, that tomorrow. Then, yeah, um, I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, then um, I watched uh, part most of Four Lions. You heard Four Lions? 
Is that the I've Haley heard Joel of Four Lions. One with no. Michael Caine? No, that's Secondhand Lines, which is great. <laughs> this, uh, I heard about a long time ago. Um, it's a movie that's like a comedy of jihad extremists. Oh, yes, Four Lions. Yes, I knew I knew the title. Yeah, it uh-huh. came up on Netflix, and I was like, that sounds familiar. And then I remembered, yeah. Um, it, it's controversial because people, you know, were like, is, should this be funny? Like, making right. fun of, you know, these terrorists. And um, I, it's, cer- certain parts are funny. Um, it's, the, the story is these British... Um, guys want to join jihad and uh they're a bunch of bumbling idiots um there's one british guy um who just grows a beard and tells everyone to do um <laughs> and uh they eventually get to go to over to uh i forget what country they go to probably afghanistan and uh the I, the part i left off is like the funniest part i thought was they're uh they always screw something up so the rest of the group goes off to actually fight some battle somewhere in the mountains and the other two are left behind to just, like, take care of stuff. And then a uh, U.S. drone comes by. And they're like, oh, shoot, we got to take it down or warn somebody. And uh, so one of them, like, grabs a little rocket launcher out of the <laughs> out of the supply thing and starts to, like, aim it and then shoots it. But um, he is pointing it backwards, so it shoots into the mountains and kills the rest of the group. <laughs> 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 and so then they have to go back to Britain because <laughs> they got nothing else to do. <laughs> and then uh, the, the, guy, the British guy who has the beard and just acts like he's... Um, uh, in charge. Yeah. Um, like uh, he's constantly talking down to everyone, and so they get fed up with it, and they just tie him up and they throw him in the trunk. And then, uh, I, like as they're arguing in the front, like he bursts through the back seat with just his head and starts ordering them around. It's, <laughs> it's really goofy. It's like I'm not sure if I should enjoy this or not. It's yeah. Just, it's kind of just all over the place, but um, huh. I'll finish it later. So. Wait, wait, wait. Did you not finish it now? No. I, I oh, that was one of the movies that you half saw. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll talk about the end of Four Lions next week. <laughs> Maybe. I think it's worth talking <laughs> to about. To be continued. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so it's really only two lions right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible joke. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know if they explain what lions like what the four lions are. Are there four of them? I'm, I'm I'm guessing I and they are like lions. I, like, I was also like half paying attention to it too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's like one and a half lions. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Is I that think, it? Yeah, I think I'm missing something else, but whatever. James, what did cool. you see? Um, well, just a couple things. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna skip over the first two. Sort of, I rewatched Gosford Park. Um, because I've been watching so much Downton Abbey, and I was like, I need to see Gosford Park again. And that movie is great. If you have not seen Gosford Park, you should check that out. Uh, it's a pretty cool sort of like it is a murder mystery, but it is less about the mystery and more about the historical aspects of that that movie. Um, I also watched uh, Reading the Lost Ark, which is a documentary. It's on the internet for free now. Uh, that this guy's been working on for years. That basically what he did was it's uh, shoot. There's a term for it now, and I can't. Uh, I think it's filmumentary. Uh, basically what he does is he plays Raiders of the Lost Ark and then overlays things onto the movie. Um, so like, uh, the whole movie is still in order, but you'll hear, you'll hear commentary bits from different sources, uh, in the background where like, you know, some interview somewhere where Alfred Molina is talking about the opening scene will be playing and then they'll cut to a bit of interview from Steven Spielberg in 2006 where he's talking about the opening scene and things like that. So they're getting different sources. There's also some text on the screen that'll tell you different fiddly bits about the movie. 
Uh, and then sometimes when they have footage from the making of the movie, they'll cut that on top of the movie. Um, so you're you're sort of learning about the movie as the movie's still going on. So it's like you're still watching Raiders of the Lost Ark for the most part, but you're also watching a documentary about the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's it's, actually, like, it's like the coolest commentary that any movie could have. Yeah, I was actually going to say, that's my one of my favorite features on Warner Brothers movies on Blu-ray. It's called Maximum Movie Mode. Yeah. And when you watch it, those I mean, it's not as intricate as that, but it'll literally, they'll stop a scene and they'll go to the director. Like I saw the Zack Snyder one for Watchmen. Yes. And yes, he'll explain exactly. why he shot it this way and this way. Then he'll go back to the movie. And, right. Um, but it's not as intricate as that. That sounds cool, though. Yeah, it really is. So if you were as big of a Raiders of the Lost Ark fan as I am, you should and check that out. You should um, be. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is the best movie ever made. Uh, so the two actual things that I watched this week, though, uh, I finally saw Midnight in Paris because it's out on DVD now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it has been for a while, but I saw it. it it's Nominated red, for Best Picture. It's a red box. Yeah. Um, about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is it a Woody Allen thing? Yeah, it's really Woody Allen. Um, I think if you like Woody Allen, you will like this movie. I am not really And if you like 13-year-old girls, hey, Woody no, Allen There really were, there were moments in this movie where I was like... Joke. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, I don't know that I liked it. Uh because I was an English major, I feel like I'm a bit prone to enjoying the things about this movie that are super pretentious. Because mm-hmm. um, basically the story is this guy who, uh, he and his fiance are in are in Paris, sort of on vacation, and he just, he thinks Paris is fantastic, and he's obsessed with Paris in the 20s, like, he just thought that Paris in the 20s was the coolest time ever, uh, and he wants to move to Paris, and he is, he is Woody Allen. Like, it's, it's, the character is played by Owen Wilson, but the character is Woody Allen, like, He's he's a screenplay art writer. He you know has made all these movies. He's really famous and has all this money. But uh, he is also um, like eccentric, and nobody really likes him. And anyway, uh, and then one night he's wandering around Paris, and at midnight this taxi drives up. That's clearly a like 1920s coupe, and he gets into this taxi, and it takes him into the 20s, and he hangs out with. You know Hemingway and um, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald and and those parts. Some of those parts are really cool and fun. Some of them are like caricatures of these historical characters. Mm-hmm. Like when he meets Salvador Dali, basically, basically Salvador Dali is played by Adrian Brody. Is he's just like oh he's kooky because he was a surrealist and he he says rhinoceros a lot and he says it funny. Uh, and he says Dali a lot because that's his name. Um, but the scene doesn't really it it conveys its story in the most straightforward way, where it's like, oh, now the character has to learn this lesson in the most obvious way he could. Like he even comments on like, oh wait, I'm learning this lesson now. Like the screenplay is so transparent that it doesn't feel like an organic story. It feels like. Oh yeah, well this year Woody Allen writes this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's um I, I feel like considering the fact that this guy writes a movie every year and has been doing it since, you know, the beginning of Dirt, uh he should be better at writing screenplays than this. Uh but it's sort of his style. His style is like, oh well, you know, I'm very self aware and I, I I don't like it. Um there are parts of the movie that are really fun, but at the same time hit the main character he is not a good person. I don't like him. The uh, the choices that he makes are stupid, and I disagree with them. And then the lesson he learns about like, 
oh, well, even people at that time thought that that wasn't the best time ever, so I should appreciate my time more. He then, the end of the movie, he goes back on that and doesn't appreciate the things that he had at the beginning of the movie, and, like, hmm. it, it doesn't make sense. And so, no, it shouldn't be in the <laughs> top ten over movies like Super 8, which I also watched this week, and it's amazing. Um, the other thing was The River, which is the new Steven Spielberg TV show that um, it's it's filmed like a found footage movie. Uh, and the story is that uh, basically Bruce, Bruce Greenwood the uh, plays this guy who he's kind of like uh, what's his name um, Crocodile Hunter uh, Steve Irwin Steve Irwin he's kind of like Steve Irwin but more about nature and such than just animals uh, but he is like Steve Irwin in that um, the story is that it's just everyone in the world really grew to love not just Steve Irwin but his family. And so in this show, uh, he plays Emmett, uh, Bruce Greenwood plays Emmett Cole, who everybody in the world really loved Emmett Cole and his family. And then Emmett Cole goes missing, uh, in the Amazon and his family goes looking for him. And this is many years after, like his son has grown up and his son and he are sort of estranged. Uh, and so they have to play with that. And, um, and they take a, they take, because they, it was a TV show, they take a film crew with them, hoping that they will find this, this mm-hmm. you know, this host. Um, and then as they get up there, basically, I don't think it's spoilers to say that supernatural things start happening and they start finding actual magic. Um, <coughs> the, the show, like, the fan footage part is, is pretty cool. The characters are, are, are fairly decent based on... I expected less, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the acting is good enough and what what they do with the first two episodes based on, like, it's really episodic, so they do a good enough job, um, but the, my problem is, is the first two episodes are both ghost stories, mm-hmm. and, and it, so it it doesn't show, like with X-Files, which uh, you had you had a ghost story, you had an alien story, you had a monster of the week, you know, uh, I think it was a mistake for them to do to to do two ghost stories in a row because it makes me feel like well is every week going to be you know oh well this why this week we find the ghost and she drowned and now there are these dolls and the dolls are spooky and next week we find uh the ghost of this old man and he was murdered in a tree and so now the trees are spooky like is every week going to be the same kind of well it's just a different ghost because the first two are kind of like that the first two are like this guy died and we released him, and then we got to catch him, and then the drowned girl one is the second one. But it's still it's still pretty good. People should probably check it out, hmm. especially I think if you like if you like that kind of story, you know, if you do like ghost stories, if you do like supernatural horror kind of stuff, you should probably see it. Um, it's definitely interesting. It's it's at least fresh, you know. Yeah, it's hmm. not the same old show. There's a lot of people been saying about it that you know it's it's trying something new and it's a little different and yeah it's better than Alcatraz, hmm. you know. But anyway, that's what I've been watching. I actually remembered one of the things that I, f- I forgot. Sure. Uh, I don't think any of you've been following the, the season's office. No. No. Um, well, I just want to say that uh, I have, and uh, this week's episode was really good. I kind of wish I've been rewatching it like as I go to bed lately, and probably when I get done when I. If I catch all the way up, I might go ahead and watch this new season. But yeah, they they're finally uh like the 
first half uh, before the you know, like winter break and everything, they've kind of been dicking around with all the characters going to these different parties, like going doing stuff outside the office. Um, you know, trying to now that the dynamic has changed. I guess the writers are trying to find new dynamics by putting yeah. everyone in these weird situations. And now they're finally like, at the same time, they're littering these little threads in each of the episodes. And the last two episodes, they're finally pulling all those strings together. Gotcha. And uh, like the end of this validates a thread that I thought I would, like was just some a red herring, but they're actually falling through on. Huh. Um. And uh, it's that I think they're trying to break up Jim and Pam. No. Yeah. Which terri- I am not watching that season. Which terrifies me. I am not watching that season. That will uh, really screw with the beauty of the first. The show. For you seasons the of the show. The story yeah. of the show. I, I hope they don't do it, but gosh, they've been really like teasing it. So hopefully, mm. hopefully uh. they, they've also like been tearing Jim down a bit because in the episode prior to this one, he got caught lying to the whole office about jury duty so he could have extra days off. Um, so he's been kind of like getting dragged through the mud a little bit, like getting yeah. a, like a tarnished image. Um, so I'm, I'm, that's what makes me worried that this, uh, you know, bring no. Jim and Pam up because of uh, the, the temp that they hired uh, to fill in for Pam is like, she's been having dialogue throughout the other episodes where she like shows that she has an interest in Jim and the like um, commercial tag at the end of this week's episode confirms like she's talking to one of her friends, like, like we're going to Tallahassee, just, you know, us and a couple other people, like what else is there to do except for us to hook up? So it's like, uh. no, hopefully it's just uh, Jim realizes that how much he loves Pam and uh, yeah, it'll be okay. And then like, or Michael Scott will make an appearance in Tallahassee and, you know, scare Jim straight. <laughs> Yeah, but I hope they don't go that way because it just it would really just hurt yeah. that whole beautiful first four seasons. It really would confirm the fact that that season should never be made. <laughs> I will say, I for you know that you brought up NBC that uh, there's a chance Community will be back for a fourth season because there's shows on NBC, uh, Whitney, and Are You There, Chelsea, or whatever. Yeah, they're doing so bad Sweet. that they have nothing else to put in its oh. place. So there's a chance that Sweet. Community will live Sweet on because they won't have any shows to fill it in because they've already it's not only those two shows pilots at this point yeah they've already th- those two shows are probably not coming back and there's a couple other shows on NBC that have no chance <laughs> of coming back at least one season oh, wow. at least one just, yeah, yeah, just four one years. more they season they need four years so Jeff Winger can graduate yeah. and then yeah. make Annie his secretary or something I don't know yeah just oh man so yeah so I was reading that online on uh variety and i thought it was kind of interesting because they've done a lot of those uh save uh greendale psas and yeah you know. did you see the one that was just uh donald glover sitting on a couch and at one point he's like you know everything is falling apart like nobody has died in 48 hours because community's not on the air anymore <laughs> oh man yeah donald so so we hope great. so you know keep your fingers crossed and that'll happen and it, again if you're not watching community watch community please help mm-hmm. out uh. So, um, this week we saw a re-release, kind of, of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace in 3D. Brad, should people go see The Phantom Menace in 3D? I actually didn't think about this question yet. Um, Be honest. You know what? Why not? You've seen uh, it twice, uh, so you're, I knew your answer was going to be yes, James. No. Me? You shouldn't, abs- you shouldn't go see this movie in 3D. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and now... I want to say this before we do the trailer, the trailer, even though there are, there's no reason to do spoilers for this movie, but uh, 
this is the best of the prequels, and I'm going to fight you and on And you this. are a fucking liar. Roll but, the John yeah, Williams. High five, James. Still, but still. Yeah. Roll the John Williams score. <laughs> still, still, there is no reason to pay $15 to you go see this movie liar. in 3D. Like, it's, yeah. John Williams, go. The greatest saga of all time is coming to the big screen in spectacular 3D. Experience the wonder. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. The excitement. You believe it's this boy? The force is unusually strong with him. The adventure. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Oh, my. This February, experience Star Wars like never before. Just hang on! Wipe them out. All of them. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace 3D. Only on the big screen, February 10th, 2012. There's no way this is the best of the prequels. It is absolutely it is the, best not prequel. the best of the prequels. And here is why. Hey, you this know, you're movie. on IMDb. You should look up how, what the other scores of the prequels are. I don't care. Because here's the thing. <laughs> scores? This what? is... Uh, I mean, I, I think that The Phantom Menace gets, uh, gets flagged for a couple reasons that aren't necessarily its fault. First of all, it gets flagged because it is the forerunner of the prequels. It is the point at which people went, like, you know, it was the one that had the highest hopes and was conversely that much that See, much I disagree because I think um, the biggest problem people have with that is the stupid juvenile shit in it. I mean, it's... Oh, absolutely. But it, there's stupid juvenile shit in all of them. You know, I... I think the juvenile stuff actually starts in Return of the Jedi. Oh, absolutely. Where yeah, I, yeah. I think the first two have a little bit, of, not even that much. You can't even like pinpoint one, but I think Return of the right. Jedi has so many. And I yeah. and when people say, you know, Return of the Jedi is one of the better ones, I totally disagree with that too. But it's, the, the juvenile stuff is mostly just the, um, the Ewoks at the end. like Or the dancing. And, uh, but anyways, well, back to the Phantom Menace. The, the uh, you know, because you can, I don't think it's because of high expectations. Because uh, you're let down because Jar Jar Binks is so terrible. Okay, because, that's the other thing. Is that, yeah, Jar Jar Binks because, becomes a like, and I guess not even Jar Jar Binks. The whole Gungan thing is just terrible. Yeah, no, it is. Um, you know what's weird though is that um, I, I saw it for the second time today. If it wasn't for Jar Jar Binks, I probably would have fallen asleep in the movie because like he he's the only like manic, exciting action throughout all the dramatic uh, parts. Like yeah. There's a lot of just exposition and uh, political but I think dialogue that, that's really super boring. And but I think that's better than a lot of the stuff, though, because I think the political part plays a huge role in uh, like the overall arc. It's important part to the of, plot for sure, but it just it's uh, executed so uninterestingly. It, there's a couple things. First, uh, <laughs> okay, the the one thing this that the other two prequels question. have that <laughs> this one doesn't. Hour in. <laughs> the, the the one thing that the other two prequels have that this one doesn't is that they have a main character. In the second two prequels, 
then those movies are about Anakin Skywalker. Um, but that is also what's wrong with those movies because I don't give a fucking shit about Anakin Skywalker. I hate, hate Anakin Skywalker as a character. I hate the way he's written. I hate his plot line. I hate the whole like courtship of idiots, as I have recently heard it called, that's in Attack of the Clones that is just like the most corny, juvenile kind of romance that I've ever seen in a movie. It's borderline Twilight. Yeah, it but... It, oh, it's, oh, absolutely. But, but it starts but here, in The Phantom Menace. What's, but, the, but wait, what's the first thing Anakin Skywalker says to Padme? Are you an Are angel? Exactly. It's a couple scenes in this movie. Phantom, Phantom Menace has the most coherent plot of all of the prequels. It is as simple as, you know, we're introduced to this Trade Federation and this issue... Uh, and they go, and they're, they gotta get the queen off of this planet, try and solve this issue, and then they go back and they revolt against the Trade Federation, and they pick up Anakin Skywalker along the way. And if, and especially if that movie had been written better, if the movie had been, the, the, where I was going was, the whole prequel trilogy needs to just be about Obi-Wan Kenobi. They, Anakin Skywalker should be a footnote in this whole trilogy. It should be Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it should affect the original trilogy in that, when Obi-Wan Kenobi dies at the ver- at the end of A New Hope, spoilers, when he <laughs> dies, it should be like doubly emotional after you've seen the prequels. Because then it's like, oh, not only is he the fatherly figure that he was when I first saw A New Hope, but now he's this character that I've loved for three movies. Anakin Skywalker should be like the reason why Obi-Wan has problems, not... This he rise should be and like, fall. like the, the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker is boring. He should be like the bad guy in Chronicle. Yes, um, you know I, I I will counter with this too because I've watched them all very recently and I watched them back to back to back to back. Yeah, and after if you knew watch them that way, it actually the, the the problems people actually have with the prequels isn't as pronounced when you watch them that way because the whole point of the the whole Star Wars saga is Anakin Skywalker is about bringing balance to the Force. It is, is now. It, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't after the first three movies. The first three movies are about Luke. Yeah, yeah. I when guess. they came I mean, out, that's what yeah. it is. Well, yeah. when they came out, yeah. but when you when you put the prequels in, now you're you're dealing with actually Darth Vader because Darth Vader is the most interesting character in Star Wars. Uh, no, I I don't agree with that. I don't. I mean, who's more interesting than Darth Vader? Dar- well, Han Solo. Uh, Darth Vader. He's more interesting than Darth Vader. I yes. disagree with that. No, 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 because Darth Vader is just a really good villain. Like what he's, makes? But what he's makes brooding but, and yeah, dark? But and what you makes want, Darth you, Vader a good villain is when you find out who he really is. No, yeah, I, I agree because, with you there. Because in, in the first one, you're dealing with. I mean, they they just call him uh, General Vader or yeah, Lord Vader. Lord Vader. They don't even call him Lord Vader. I don't think because he's yeah, they do. They, yeah they do. Whatever. <laughs> he's they, still a Sith Lord. Because. In that one, he's just kind of around, and he has all this power. You're like, where does he get yeah. this power? The second one, you actually learn that he he has a huge fall from grace. Yeah, and I, then he becomes the most interesting character I think in the whole series. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I I understand what you're saying, but he is not the character in the original trilogy that I relate with, that I am invested in, that I want to see win, that I want to like. That's not he's. It's not his story that I'm following when I watch those movies. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I want to know more about him. You know, and and knowing more about him says a lot more about my actual main character, Luke Skywalker, and why I'm invested in his story and why that matters. Um, but I don't watch the original trilogy. I mean, I watch the original trilogy partially because it's got a good villain, but that's not why I relate to and enjoy those movies. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, back to the episode one. But the, the, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the, you're 
it's just not well done. It's it no, really isn't. No, it's not. And when you see it in 3D, was yours really dark? No, ours was not. I, I, there no, was there's parts like dark. Yeah. There's parts well, like especially with the one I noticed the most but was that was when, my biggest um, problem with it. Little Anakin <laughs> was uh, he was in some sort of transporter and it was nighttime and there was just tons of fuzz and oh my god it was terrible. Yeah. Which theater did you see it at? Uh, I saw it at. Flat irons. Oh, we went to the Continental. So we had different projectors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a feeling it was that. But I will say. Well, and that that also uh, lends itself to part of why Brad convinced us to do this is because this is the only of the the trilogy. This is the only one that has scenes that are shot on actual film, which means that this conversion, this 3D conversion uh, will be, says the most about how the original trilogy in 3D will will feel. Um, And I don't think it's real good. Uh, because unfortunately, the scenes that are shot in 3D or that are shot on film feel they look kind of grainy. They look kind of dark. They're really the fuzzy 3D, and blurry 3D, compared yeah, the to 3D all the action. Yeah, do you feel it was really blurry? Yeah. Even my nephew said he said he asked me. I took my little nephew to it. As he says, it, it's hard for it. Looks like they're they're fuzzy. He said that yeah. to yeah, me. You have like CGI built Coruscant in you know perfect resolution, and then right. all the actors in front of it will have this kind of like that. Uh, what was it? Like the N64 games, like fuzz, like blurred over textures and stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, yeah, it looks bad. It's not, you shouldn't see this movie in 3D. Well, what kind of makes me sad is that I also think that, um, you know, the reason that they were released in this order may also attribute to the fact that they figured, well, people hate this movie so much, let's, let's spend the least amount of time converting it. So that won't get the um, first one, and we'll be able to spend more time converting the other ones on film. I, I, Except I, that they've been converting the original trilogy for years and years. Like they were, they were showing footage from the original trilogy some years ago. Well, they obviously need more time. <laughs> well, yeah. you don't worry. I, I think it's, it's, it's still three years before you see. Yeah. I think it's hope. a problem with three D conversion. I don't think it's like mm. that they didn't have enough time. I think it's that oh. this this technology is shitty, and the effect is shitty, yeah. and the movie is shitty. And when you add all that shit together, <laughs> oh, you have a shit. There's worse movies, but, but the, um, the, the, there the are, there I are noticed, no. I agree, there are worse movies. But the other thing I noticed is like nothing is ever not jumps out of the screen. Like you get that yeah. preview of the RPX system where the rain shoots out of the screen. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm in for some like lasers coming at me. Or um, <laughs> um, the biggest glaring uh, thing left out that I noticed was when the um, the Federation uh, ships, the Death Star style floating ships in space. Yeah. When they explode, like none of the little fire yeah, crackers little, shoot out the screen. It like, really oh, yeah. flat. What a perfect opportunity to, to throw well, something out of the screen. That's partially because the way the three D conversion works is they can they can only kind of give it depth. They can't do a lot of reaching out. That's stuff. ridiculous. The it's way that a, filming in three D will let you in most scenes, but that's like a CGI built scene. Like they could just throw. No, you're right. They could you're throw right. those true. glow sparks on top of it. Like they've already tinkered with everything else. You know what I did yeah. notice in it though? The three D effect I thought. Was the most noticeable is in the duel of the fates when they're running through that uh, kind of cylinder area where they're fighting on the bridge. Yeah, there's lots of uh, lens flares in it that <laughs> I didn't notice before and huh. um, lighting effects. Yeah, um, I mean they could have been there before and they just brought out more by 3D, but Could be. Yeah. I, I just noticed them more. Um, <laughs> it's and, a, and it's one of those things where uh, with another with another movie you would just assume like oh yeah it made the lens flares more more apparent. When it's George Lucas, you're like, I don't know, maybe he added lens flares. Maybe he <laughs> likes the Star Trek movie. I don't get it. Yeah. Actually, yeah, sorry, a little tangent. You can't, you can't of, trust anything. Speaking of lens flares, uh, everyone gets on, like, attributes J.J. Abrams to being, like, the lens flare originator. Yeah. Um, I go back and look at the first Die Hard. Oh, I'm sure. It's, oh, yeah. It's, no, it's, no, it's, it's not, with lens flares. It's more, yeah, no, he, he gets a lot of flight because he uses it too much in Star Trek. Yeah. 
Um, I still think it looks good. Um, I, I, do, I do too, but that's a different conversation. But yeah, the, so I, but I will say this. I took my nephew to see it. My nephew is four. Um, and I was telling James about this. He, he, my nephew had quite the movie experience this week. He saw Jaws and loved it. And because uh, he loves sharks, and he's talking about how he was really happy when Chief Brody made the shark explode. Give us a kiss <laughs> because I need it. And uh, but he, we went to the movie, and get this: his favorite Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back because um, he loves nice. Darth. He loves Darth Vader because he has a red sword. Um, <laughs> but he was, you know, we're sitting in the theater, and we're about thirty, forty minutes into the movie. And it's dead quiet. And he says at the top of his lungs in a cute little four-year-old voice says, Uncle Rai, where is Darth Vader in this movie? <laughs> and uh, the whole theater cracked up. And uh, I said, Parker, he's not in this one, but there's a bad guy and you'll see him. And when uh, Darth Maul came about, he went, wow, he's red. <laughs> so I think um, I remember you saying that kids do like this movie. And my niece Taylor went with me and she's 10 and she loves episode one and my little nephew parker when we were done i asked him what his favorite parts of the movie were and he told me that he loved when they uh darth maul because he didn't know who darth maul was he loved that darth maul had a double-edged lightsaber uh he loved the pod racing scene and he also liked obi-wan kenobi so uh it's kind of cool because my little nephew loves uh that kind of stuff now that's um, that's why i like these movies like those like a lot of those elements like Darth Maul, the pod race, the final lightsaber battle, like yeah. those are really kinetic, exciting. Like Duel of the Fates is the best action and, scene, yeah, and the, and the, the best action scene in any yeah, Star but Wars the movie. Problem and the is, score, even like none of the other movies yeah. have like an iconic piece of music in it. It's all the well, standard Star Wars of, music of the yeah of the prequels. Yeah, yeah. actually, because I, I I own all three of the scores and. I feel like when I listen to the other two prequels, the yeah. John Williams is kind of phoning it in at times. He does some weird stuff, especially in Attack of the Clones, like with an electric guitar, where he's just sort of like trying something out, and it's not, it's not great. Yeah, um, it's you know, it's but to see the problem too. This is my problem with the movie. There is those scenes that are really cool, but I think sometimes the, I think the pod racing scene is a little too long. Um, it seems like it drags on a little bit, and yeah. um, the duel of the fates is intercut with. The stupid Anakin Skywalker, yippee! Amen. And, and blowing that stuff up. If that stuff wasn't in it, that's the problem. That's why I think it's the weakest of the prequels, is because for every step it takes forward, it seems there's something always holding it back. Like how wooed, oh, you know, uh, and yeah. stuff like that is just. And it, there's a, one part where I was, I forgot. Even though I just watched this movie recently, you know, Jar Jar Binks is this bumbling, stupid ass Gungan, and then he's made a general, and then he's shown. Like has his huge leadership skills, and then all of a sudden he's scared again. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I can't stand that movie. Oh no, no, no! no. Uh, like the whole, all of the Gungan stuff should not be in the movie. But this uh, part of it is, um, I feel like this is the movie of the three that would be the easiest to, uh, like, if you had a time machine, go back, rewrite this movie, and turn it into something good, like Screw entirely time good. Machine, we could just like rewrite it right now. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> we started to last night, and I really enjoyed <laughs> it. <laughs> we, yeah, we did. While we were sitting in the theater before it started, we were talking like, okay, what would we do? Like, oh, we take this out and we do this, and like every 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 time that one of us would mention something, we'd be like, yes, oh, absolutely, oh, it totally would change the entire dynamic of the movie. Uh, and you're right, like the way that that the whole last twenty minutes is edited is a mess. And if you watch. If you watch this uh, special features on the DVD, which I, I have, 
Uh, man, I've, I've spent way too much, way too much of my time in my life watching no, I heard stuff about I don't these ha- movies. I don't have the Phantom Menace on DVD, but I heard um, the Journey Begins or what's it called? Mm. Something like that. Or the Saga yeah. Begins is like one of the best documentaries ever it's on the, a DVD. It's the first DVD that I ever bought, and it, and I was immediately like, I want every DVD ever because it is a great DVD. With it, I mean, they there is footage of like the first day he started writing that script. You know, like mm. it takes you through the whole process. You you get to see them pick Jake Lloyd. Yeah, know, I heard. Then, I heard oh. uh, that that things is when he made the mistake of picking Jake oh, Lloyd yeah. from oh, Fort yeah. Collins, Colorado. Yeah, um, I don't think he's that bad. But... You no, really? oh, no, he's horrible. Now he's a little kid. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah I mean, there, uh, there's a, a thing there. Like you, you kind of want to you want to give him some some leeway because he's a little kid. He probably has no direction. <laughs> I put yeah. No, that's the thing. I put a lot of the weight on George Lucas. I think that it's he was poorly directed. Like when when you tell the kid like okay. Um, Watto tells you that you get to go home and you cheer and you jump off the thing and run away. When the kid then goes yippee and runs off the screen, you go, wait, roll the roll the camera back. We got to do that again. All right, do it again, but don't say yippee, you fucking retard. <laughs> but that like, had been written in because he says it three times in the movie. No, I know he does. He's well, no, I think I think that probably he was supposed to cheer a couple times and that or for some ad- reason Jake Lloyd thought that yippee was something that he could uh, say. Or he ad libbed it on the script or on the set and they and kept it was in. Like, oh, that's cute. Let's put it in. I think it's actually the audio, do, do the same think, audio repeated three times. Do, it probably is. Do you think um, <laughs> they cast him because he looks a lot like, kind of like a young um, uh, Mark Hamill? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean. That is actually exactly what's happening in in the feature where they talk about that. That's exactly what ha- what's happening is they have a picture of Leia and they have a picture of Mark Hamill or um, what's her name? Carrie and Mark Fisher. Hamill. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, and they are he's he's looking at the pictures. He's not even looking at reels of them acting. He's just looking at their pictures and looking at them in the other room and going like, well, you know, he's got he's got the right facial features, and then he just is like, okay, yeah, that's the one, and then he leaves, and you're like. How is that how you picked this kid? Mm-hmm. Especially because then you pick uh, Hayden Christensen, who doesn't look like he's no. kind of Mark Hamill, you know? But, but Hayden it's Christensen, just, too, is a good actor. I don't know. I, I, the dialogue I think is, he could be a good actor. I think that those two movies are written really shit. They are. Uh, but, yeah, so, the, I mean, there's just so many parts in that movie where it seems like it's held back. Um, but there's parts that are really cool. I'm, I'm not saying that. I mean, the movie, you can watch it. I mean, I love Star Wars. So I can sit and wa- I can watch the movie. Yeah, um, but I just, I just can't stand. And I think, I think Liam Neeson is really good in it. I mean, Liam Neeson's usually good at oh, everything. Oh yeah, exactly. actually, something yeah. like I felt like I didn't notice the first time around, or I guess the first twelve times around, um, <laughs> was that I feel like uh, Liam Neeson in that movie is actually kind of condescending about his role. Like I, I feel watching it this time around, I felt like he was actually kind of mocking himself in the movie. Like the way he delivers lines and his kind of attitude, like Qui Gon Jinn's attitude, kind of feels like. He doesn't exactly want to be there. Um, and I guess that's part of the character is Qui-Gon Jinn's sort of like a rebel Jedi. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's, yeah, there's I, I, like a subplot that they don't really touch on that he's constantly like going against the you know, rules of the Jedi. There, there's a part in the movie where I, uh, I kind of agree with that. And I don't think it's because he's condescending. I think it's because, uh, he, he's the people he's acting with. Mm-hmm. It's the scene where he's at the dinner table with Anakin, Jar Jar oh, and yes. stuff. And where there's a, it's a, it's really minute, but you can pick it up. Uh, Jake Lloyd says something, and he and uh, Liam Neeson kind of has this beat where he pauses, and he's like, "Oh man, I got to act the fuck out of this. And this kid can't act." <laughs> like literally, you can kind of sense it. And then he's because he's talking about, uh, "Are you here to save us?" Yeah, he's yeah. Are you here to save us? He says, uh, "No, I'm just here to whatever." And you can tell that he's such a better actor, even the way he delivers lines 
makes it more believable than that stupid idiot fucking kid. And when he's and that when the kid has to talk to like uh, Watu or uh, Sebulba, and he's like. Uh, slimo or yeah. wet or slimy. I forget what he says. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Tatooinian or whatever. No, Jake, well, Jake Lloyd is horrible. Yeah, yeah. so there's, I there's think no getting right that's there. why I can't get behind this movie, and I don't. That's why I don't think it's better than the other ones. I, I, I do want to ask when you saw, um, when you saw Attack of the Clo- or Phantom Menace in theaters, did you hate it? Um, I don't, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't. Well, but I mean, did you feel the way you do now? Uh, yes. Okay. See, because that's kind of different because since I was 12 when I saw mm-hmm. it, I thought it was great. I even liked Jar Jar Binks because I was 12, you know, and I didn't understand how comedy works. Uh, <laughs> I just thought, oh, well, I'm supposed to be laughing, so I guess I should. Um, so that that may be part of why I like this one more than the other ones because there is a part of me that was like, no, when I was a kid, I like I can I can forgive some of the stuff that's juvenile and stupid because I there was a time when I liked it. Um, but I still also believe that it's actually see and and what I I felt too then and I feel now is the first one doesn't advance the plot where the second two of the prequels actually move the plot from forward where the second one is oh we pick up this kid because our warp speed thing doesn't work and but I mean I I disagree Attack of the Clones is like a big waste of time like it should just you could go from Attack Revenge of the Sith should have been two and then with the exception of uh, his mom dying, that's the only thing that happens yeah. in Attack of the Clones. Well, and the, that is also when's the last time you saw Attack of the Clones, though? Uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, because I mean, there's also a part where the Trade Federation is still completing plans. Uh, that's why they're on that planet because they have plans to not only release the clone army, that they have the plans for the Death Star and things. Yeah, like that. no, yeah, absolutely. And I think that actually advances a story where you see why they're there and it's starting of the Clone Wars and it kind of gets yeah, back to the, the fact that five minutes of the movie. <laughs> It kind of gets back to the fact that I hate that story, though. Like, what the prequels are about, I don't like. If, uh, and it, 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 I think... But you it, can also go this way. You know, at, after uh, Revenge of the Sith, there's still 18 years where you can have another Darth Vader story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's also because Ewan uh, McGregor is such a better actor than everybody else in these movies. <laughs> um, well, except for Liam Neeson. Um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, at least comparable. Um, I mean, because even Natalie Portman at this point, and... And the way she delivers lines in these movies is not great Natalie Portman. No. This is not mm-hmm. Leon or Viva Hold Vendetta, me like you Natalie did on Naboo. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a Revenge um, of the Sith. Uh, uh, um, anyway, so I think that's part of why I wish that these movies were just about uh, him. Because I'm like, he is an interesting, well-acted, well-written-ish character. I will say, I think um, Sam Jackson as Mace Windu in this one's really good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I like I like the whole. Actually, I like the whole Jedi Council scenes. Yeah. Um, because I you, you do get that rogue Jedi from Qui Gon, and where Yoda disagrees with him, and I, I do like those scenes because I think there's, I don't know, there's like cool tension there, and I I think uh, what's the name of the dude who plays uh, Chancellor Chancellor Palpatine? Oh, Palpatine. Uh, I don't remember. It's the Ian McDermott. Yeah. Yeah, Ian McDermott. yeah. He's really good. I still think he's really good in the movies. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he has a nice kind of uh, skeezy, sleazy kind of feel to him. And it builds up for three for three movies. Like, oh man, I can't wait till we get to see Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious like really fucking really that. kick some ass. And then you see it, and it's maybe the worst action sequence in any of the Imagine prequels. The Sith, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe Frank Oz is uh, Yoda is the best actor in the movie. <laughs> 
You know, I, we haven't talked about this yet. This is the first time that I got to see the CG Yoda. And I think it is... It feels like a better CG Yoda than it is in the other prequels. Like, there is there is a shot in, I think it's Attack of the Clones, where Yoda's sitting in his little pod, and he's CG, and he looks like he's two-dimensional. Like, because it's a far-off shot, he looks like he's this little two-dimensional figure in the screen. Mm-hmm. And this looks like a pretty good Yoda. But, honestly, there were there were lines that he delivers that, like, his mouth doesn't move enough that I felt like he wasn't really getting the emotion across that even the puppet did. Because there are, there are a couple of lines. One of them is the fear, fear turns to anger, anger line. And the other one is one uh, during the scene later uh, when Obi-Wan becomes a Jedi. Uh, and there are these two lines that I've always thought were like, oh, those are actually pretty good lines. Like, you know, there's actually something going on there. And I remember the way that the puppet does it very well. Because I've always thought like, that's an, you know, I've always liked that scene. Then when I saw it in the CG one, I was like, wait, this isn't, it doesn't feel the same for some reason. Um, I miss puppets, is what I'm saying. I don't know, I think the CGI actually looks better and moves better. Again, I I watched them, like, you know, straight through. And, uh, well, I mean, also, I guess Empire Strikes Back is 30 years old, but. Yeah. um, Dude, when he's going through the stuff and he finds, like, the hot dog and eats it, like, that's the best Yoda out of all the Yoda. (laughs) That is the most realistic Yoda. Yeah, I guess it's hard to replace th- physical things with yeah. things that aren't there. There's always a bigger fish in this sea. Oh, gosh, what a horrible scene. <laughs> but, they need yeah. to cut out all the Gungans, because it doesn't... The Gungans make no difference in this movie. They shouldn't be there. It gives the Nabooians an army. They could just with. have an army. Well, they're all in prison. They could just not all be in prison. <laughs> I just That'd wrote 20 minutes out of this movie that doesn't need to be there. Like... Chancellor Papeltine has given me power over everybody. Uh, that's my Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala. She Pretty is good. not good in that movie. She is not good. I understand what they did with that though, too, because they're trying to create, you know, the real Amidala was different than the regal one, so she could have a decoy. Yeah, yeah. which actually which surprised cool... people in my audience tonight. Really? Yeah. Who hasn't seen the movie? What? Apparently, these people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's that's a cool element to that movie. I like that little bit. I but like the you idea to, of it. But I, don't, I don't know if I. Then you have to deal with Boss Nass. Did it, her, <laughs> de, her decoy just acts so like I like I don't know what the point is of her acting so. Yeah, Kira Knightley is not playing Natalie Portman. She's playing like well, this she's woman. playing her character, but I don't know why her character is so uh, monotone and yeah. robotic. Well, part of that is because they they're clearly. Um, they're they're messing with the audio of her voice to make her sound more like Natalie Portman. Like when she talks, she has some not Natalie Portman audio underneath her, um, so it's not just Natalie Kira Knightley's voice. Um, I don't see why they just use Natalie Portman's voice all the way. Uh, because that would sound. Do you know that they changed uh, to uh, Darth Maul's unreal. voice? Ray Parks is not the voice of Darth Maul in the movie. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> uh, George Lucas says he doesn't sound very threatening. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna get that going. I swear I am. He's five feet tall. He doesn't look very threatening either. Yeah, there's that but one shot awesome of the hallway where the uh, Federation guy, uh, bad guys are walking. Down oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cuts away for one second, and like all of a sudden, Darth Maul's like the shortest guy in the room. <laughs> You're like, why would they leave that in? I know. And Liam Neeson's well, like six five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And suddenly, yeah, in all the other close-ups, he's. Oh, did you notice like uh, when Qui Gon's talking to Watto and he's trying to get Anakin's freedom? Um, 
in this one shot uh focusing on Watto, suddenly Watto's like huge compared to like if you the reverse shot of that where you're staring at Qui-Gon, you know, Watto's Oh, I kind see. Of what regular you're size, but when they do the, there's reverse shot where it's a little bit closer, even though it's a little bit closer, Watto's head is almost as big as <laughs> Qui-Gon's head to his chin. Like the, <laughs> that might be chest. effect of the 3D. Um, yeah. Because yeah. there was parts in it where actually I thought it did have depth. A lot of times when the characters right. were talking and there was a character with their back to him, I thought it had actually had depth to it. Mm-hmm. But as far as um, the rest of the 3D, I, I was really hoping that the pod racing would be a little more. Um, I didn't even I didn't intense. notice it at all in the. Yeah, I didn't notice thing. it either. Um, and then, yeah, that was, that was kind the, of a bummer. There were a couple of times where, and even once in the pod racing scene, where I, I knocked the glasses up to see, you know, what does it look like without it. Uh, and there were a lot of times where it was basically like, the only thing blurry was the background, and then yeah. everything else was just... I did out. I did that during uh, Duel of the Fates. Yeah, yeah, yeah as, I, I did it once during Duel of the Fates. I, I did it when um, the the shields kept on coming up. Oh, yeah. And I pulled it up, and I mean, the, the shields were blurry, so that was a part that was in 3D. Yeah. And then the actors were still clear, which I mean actually worked. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Man, a lot of the 3D in the movie, like uh, what bothered me is there's a lot of shots of just there's 3D stuff in the foreground, and then instead of having like a middle ground and a background, there's just the foreground and the background, and the background's totally flat. Yeah, actually, I was gonna rewatch it <laughs> on Blu-ray because I think there was a couple different shots uh, at the beginning when the Jedi council, uh, the Jedi ambassador's ship comes in i swear that they make that ship come in a little closer to the camera to make it more 3d and then there's a part where they're looking out a window where the window um pane uh parts seem like they're really forced down to you i don't remember them being in the movie Hmm. i'll have to rewatch it maybe next year yeah Uh, i really don't want to see attack of the clones did you guys see did you guys see the ice age cartoon before it Yes. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. Just it no. started off, and I was like, "Oh, cool, a scratch cartoon." The only good thing that ever came out of Ice Age, and then it ended. I was like, "Oh, uh, really abruptly? Great, yeah. more Ice Age." Here's all the other characters. Where's this going? And then you don't find out. It's just credits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that's the same reaction I had. And why is it in front of Star Wars? Because kids love yeah. the Phantom Menace. Well, Fox. Well, this yeah, is a movie where that. a dude gets chopped in half with a sword and blood sprays. Yeah, <laughs> that was in 3D. Yeah. What about and there's a that lockup or lockout preview before this movie too? Mm-hmm. Like that seemed a bit dark and disturbing for Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, no. there I, should not have been a cartoon in front of this movie because it is not really for kids. I was I was excited though when the Spider Man trailer started and people saw the Spider Man, they cheered in my theater. Oh cool. So yeah. that's kinda cool. Because yeah. I, I was kinda worried that this Spider Man kinda go by unnoticed this year. Because <laughs> it seems so small compared to everything else coming out. So yeah. The only emotional time when anyone dies in all of the Star Wars prequels is when Qui-Gon dies, and then the laser field drops, and then Obi-Wan just starts kicking ass. And then that's, mm-hmm. That is uh. the only time in any of the trilogy where I'm like, oh, get him, get him. I was actually thinking that today on my second time. I was like, yeah. after all this time, like as soon as that shield drops, like yeah. that's the most exciting part it is, yeah, of, exactly. of that battle. It's like he just lays into him, I, it busts is the, the dual saber in half, and yeah. like, they am, do all these flips back and forth. Uh, I am in the movie so more at that point than I ever am in yeah. any other prequel. And the way it's cut like leading up to it, like it's flashing back between Qui-Gon and Darth Maul fighting, then you're like, you cut to a shot of Obi-Wan's face real quick, and he's worried, and then it cuts back to a little more fighting, and then it does it like one more weird time, and you're like, it gives you that impression like something's up, and then yeah. it, it happens, and you're like, 
you like you're oh. sucked in like yeah, oh yeah kick his ass because remember oh. jedis can see things before they happen yeah. oh it's so good. oh and there's that oh i told you there's that line that qui-gon has in the very very beginning uh or no it's during the uh, yeah it's Skywalker during that horrible scene, scene at the dinner scene where like, he's like i wish that jedi couldn't die oh yeah no i yeah uh so i picked why, up on that so when Brad, i was 12 you've been, you've been kind of quiet why do you like this movie so much have i been quiet i thought i talked a lot i do think he talked a lot he just hasn't said why I like Yeah, the movie. I mean, that's what I mean. You've been quiet. You haven't told me why you like the movie. Um, I told you've seen it twice. No, I, well, I've seen it's it. 12 20. times in the theater last time. Well, I think what matters to this review is that we're, ta- we're talking about the fact this is released in 3D. Um, my opinion is the 3D is okay. And it doesn't give me a lot yeah. of excitement about the 3 we want to see if this is the 3 that's going to come from it. Um, I'm still interested in seeing what the digital 3D is going to look like. Um, but the story-wise, like I already told you, like I like the pod race and I like the dual saber battle. Like that, the, those two things together, like impress me more than all the shitty dialogue and all the just like wasted time in the other two movies. Really, yeah. I thought the Obi Wan and um, Darth Vader lightsaber battle and um, the third one was really awesome. Well, I, think I think it, I think it's way over the top and drawn out. I think it's weak because there's a lot of like, just wide shots of them like jumping on things and like floating around yeah and it's a lot of just showing off like hey they, hey we can we can do cg magma you know but there's also great moments in it too where they're doing the same lightsaber like moves because they are it's teacher and apprentice it just feels fake though yeah. like this it, one yeah. feels grounded in reality like the other one just feels like a real like special effects extravaganza when yeah. it, it's you know it's supposed to be like a character like that's a character development moment where they're squaring off like two ideologies finally coming to a head and in, instead you're like you're just treated all as eye candy yeah it does yeah i i still think it's I sweet agree. anyways but yeah uh but to pr- prove a point that when you have better actors if ewan mcgregor wasn't the guy waiting to you know fight darth maul at the end it might not have come across oh, as well because absolutely. because you can see in his face that he's worried and oh, then yeah. that last shot you're talking about is awkward you kind of see that he accepts that qui-gon's not going to make it no, i think the cut's awkward i i and that's also part of what... Uh, uh, actually, it's not awkward. It's just, like, it's unusual. Okay, yeah. And it's meant to do that on purpose. It's, like, to tell you, like, oh, you're yeah. about to expect something. Oh, yeah. You know, so when I, was, I don't when think I was, it's wrong. Or when I was younger, that shot scared you know, the crap out of me. More than seeing Qui-Gon die was the shot. Because oh, just the fact that we're talking about this makes it <laughs> far more interesting than anything else in these movies. Um, that moment is so captivating because you realize that Obi-Wan knows what's going to happen, and because he's behind that force field, he can't do anything about it. Mm. And that is just torturous. You know? speaking, I can't so do it anything about it. Makes that, it makes that next scene where he's fighting Darth Maul so much more powerful, and you feel the anger in him. Jedi like, aren't supposed to feel. No, but he does. That's the thing. He <laughs> does. He's like, I'm no, kidding. I'm going to fucking kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see it in his face. You see it in the way that he's fighting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why like he's so much faster uh, it's it's also part of why I don't like that that fight in the in that you're talking about in three is because I don't feel like um, this one is Ewan McGregor and Ray Parks who Ray Parks is a um, stunt guy and a swordsman so like he is really good at that stuff you mm-hmm. know he uh-huh. it's it's impressive but that that one in Revenge of the Sith and also even more the one with uh, um, what's his name? Count Dooku at the end of the second one. Mm. They're they're not as good because it's not they're not as good as swordsmen. Like you're not 
it's not as fast it's not as inventive it's not as exciting yeah because it's just like oh okay yeah here here's the they, they trained to do this for a lot a long time but it's not um the only th- interesting thing about that one i think is that Kautuku actually uses the force uh to yes. m- move like not just use his lightsaber but use the environment around him to defeat yeah. his opponent it's like it, it, it just seems like a logical thing that is missing from like i, I don't remember well, darth vader does it a and lot the, Oh yeah, no, no, in oh, that in vampire, one? yeah, he does. Oh yeah, so. there's that whole scene. Like they get out onto that escarpment where he gets his hand cut off. They get out there because he's like breaking windows and throwing stuff, ripping stuff off the ceiling and throwing it at Luke, yeah, uh, right. Luke Skywalker. That is, you know. Oh wait, oh, you're talking about the? I thought you're you're talking about Revenge of the Sith. Oh no, 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 yeah. in actual actual Darth Vader. Yeah, no, that yeah, I remember. Oh, that. Revenge of the Sith, they do. I think you guys need to watch Revenge of the Sith again. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith, is shit. because they that last uh, lightsaber battle. I mean, they're using the Force and oh no, they are yeah, and uh, things like that. And I think, but they also use the Force in that one of the it was one of those like yeah crummy wizard battle things where like they both stick their hands out and then they like fight as if they're pushing the Force back and forth with, between each other. Like I hate mm-hmm. that effect. Um, anyway, it's very Harry Potterish. We should um, tell our fans. Amen. To, it is. I, I'm gonna. I'll put up a, a poll on our our Facebook page on what is their favorite of their prequels. And I'd like to know. So, yeah. So no one can answer it like this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I'll put it there up. And, a lot of good answers to this. No, I'm gonna. Start, I'm gonna put out too. Why aren't all are my friends fans of my uh, <laughs> podcast? Really? Oh yeah. You guys should do the same. Like really, because okay, just can't like you it. And can then just hide all of the posts. Um, yeah, maybe yeah. they just don't like it. Maybe they don't. Um, <laughs> dicks, you guys aren't funny. Um, Dude, you're, the last podcast was three hours long. I'm not listening to all of that. But I'd be interested because I'm obviously in the minority here with you two, and and my cousin. I mean, my cousin, my little nephew loved this movie. Um, well, he's four. Yeah, like he should love this movie. But you, I, because but all I, of all of the stuff that is that we hate about it is made for him. Yeah, but no. he but he picked out the things that every like people our age like, you know, the, the lightsaber battle and the pod racing. Yeah. Um I, I mean I I'd expect but him to like the pod racing. What I'm saying but, is is that the stuff that we hate is stuff that uh now, you know, he's going to be bored by the politics oh, yeah. just as much as we are. He, that's why he but asked all of the Gungan stuff is all when uh, the stuff that's made the, for when him. he asked about Darth Vader is when it was like like, really into that. I'm talking about moving for votes of no confidence. Exactly. <laughs> Where's Darth Vader? <laughs> Where's Darth Vader? It is Chancellor Pal- Chancellor Valorum. Yeah, it's it was funny. It's just a cool reaction to hear the whole uh, people in the theater laugh at him. Yeah, no, that is and, good because it was cute. Mm. Yeah, but you know he didn't mention Jar Jar that he liked him. Ooh. So he, but it was really funny because what's cool about my nephew too. So when I dropped him off at my brother's house, my cousin was there, and I went and talked to my cousin. Because my brother was my cousin now, and they were upstairs, and I came back up, and my little nephew was watching Batman Begins. <laughs> Dude, he's the coolest little kid ever. Good choice. Yeah, he's four, and he loves Jaws and Batman, and oh, Jaws, that is too cool. I asked him if it was like, scary. He said he said it was scary, but he knew Chief Brody was going to get him, uh, and that he called him by his name. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, like he remembers Chief Brody's name because that's how much he cares about Chief Brody. Mm-hmm. And the shark blew up, and it roared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh gosh anyways so next week we'll be seeing ghost rider spirit yes. of vengeance there's no question about this we have to see ghost rider we are not gonna be seeing it in 3d though nope sweet <laughs> we will be seeing it in normal 2d yeah um, oh that's the other half thing i saw jonah hex written by neville dean taylor oh uh, wow. yeah. wait it's written by not just directed by it's two-thirds written by oh really? okay oh man huh. that movie looks so bad when you saw it 
Yeah. It has potential to be cool because I mean the idea behind the comic I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, but they they also add a bunch of stuff that is not the comic. Yeah, that's like, what I heard. He's not supposed to have like these weird supernatural talk to the dead powers. Um. Yeah. And when Josh Brolin, after the movie was done, said it was stupid. <laughs> it also had Megan Fox in it. Yeah. yeah I thought the end half yeah, was, was pretty uh, forgettable. So we'll be seeing uh, Spirit of Vengeance with the awesome Nick Cage. Directed hey, by Neville Dean Taylor. Do you have a, a B-movie script that Nick Cage can act in? Because he will do it. <laughs> he is broke. He is broke, sadly. Which is also the reason Help me why these, guys, I'll do anything. This is also <laughs> the reason why these prequels got made in the first attack War. place was yep. because George Lucas because he lost too much money divorced. in a divorce. Um, so yeah, you can like us on Facebook if you're a friend and you're a friend on Facebook. You should like us. That's weak that you don't. Real Nerds Podcast. <laughs> you can also read our blog. Like this week, I was out of town, so I actually wrote um, reviews, typed them up, and yeah, put them up there. Um, it's realnerds.tumblr.com. You can email us. RealNerds at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, real underscore nerds. And I don't think I'm forgetting anything, am I? I don't know. That's not no. my job. Um, buy Birdman Barbecue at your local Ace Hardware store. This has been a Nebulous Visions production. I am Ryan. I will talk to you next week about Ghost Rider. Bye. Bye. I can hear James breathing heavily. I'm sorry, I'm sick. sick. Ray Park is so friggin' short. Ray Park is the shortest man in Hollywood. Ray Park is Darth Maul. Shorter than Warwick Davis? (laughs) (laughs) Who's also in this movie. Oh, man. He really is. Look at how tiny he is. That's actually not... that. It looks like him, but that's actually his action figure. That's how short Ray Park (laughs) is. All right, let's go.